welcome to Language Chats. This is a podcast for language lovers in Australia and beyond where we share our experiences of language learning with you, as well as the stories of other Australians who love learning, working with and communicating using other languages. I'm Penny. And I'm Beck. And we'd like to begin our episode today by acknowledging the traditional owners of the land on which we are recording today, the Wadawurrung people, the Wurundjeri people and the Dharawal people and pay our respects to elders past and present. Now, we do have a guest with us today. Welcome, Lamont. Thanks for having me. Hi, Lamont. Good to be here. (laughs) (laughs) Um, We're very excited to have you with us and I'm just going to start with one thing, which we'll come back to in a tick, but Mm. you have over 54,000 subscribers on YouTube. Am I right? Sure. Yes. Yeah, I think that's right. (laughs) Thankfully, I've gotten out of the habit of checking it religiously, but yeah. Well, I checked it and I checked back and said, oh my goodness. (laughs) It's a lot of subscribers. Anyway, sorry, I'm just going to start with that. We'll come back Mm -hmm. to YouTube later. Um, But Lamont, basically, we, we know you because you have a YouTube channel called Days of French and Swedish. Yep. Um, and could, would you be able to tell us a little bit more about yourself? Tell us about your your language story as well um, for all of our listeners out there. Sure. Um, I don't think it's very complicated. I sort of, I did German at school uh, years 9 through 12, so 9 to 11, 12, um, in case people didn't know what came between 9 and 12. <laughs> um, and I was never, I just never did any work in any subject at school. I actually quite liked German, but I just didn't. Uh, I didn't want to commit any sort of time to any subject. So I didn't do very well at it. I didn't leave school with any kind of fluency in German. Um, I could understand little bits of text here and there, but that like, it was pretty, pretty poor for four years. There were students in the class who actually were reasonably fluent. Um, But, and then sort of throughout my like university and uh, early working career through my 20s, I kind of dabbled in and out of German. Every now and then I'd get this uh, burst of inspiration to be like, I'm going to go and become fluent in this language that I never did anything in at school. And um, and then, you know, none of them took, like maybe they lasted a few weeks or something. Um, and, you know, I'd sort of stopped anything to do with languages for uh, quite some time. I think I was 30 when I, um, that's right, I, a Finnish uh, friend of my wife's um, stayed with us for a few days. She, when she was on her, the way back to the airport, she invited us. She said, well, I've stayed with you. You should come and stay with me in Helsinki. Um, and I just sort of had this, again, like it seemed, seemed kind of, uh, what do you call it? Like, it seemed whimsical and I didn't think it would actually take, but I was like, well, we should go and, but, you know, it'll be one day in the future. It won't be next week. So I should start learning a Scandinavian language because what I've never had before is the idea that I'm actually going to go somewhere. Um, so I just thought I could kind of use that as a bit of momentum. And I started learning Swedish Um even though like, we weren't just going to go to Finland, we were going to go to Sweden and Denmark, but it was a very, very vague plan. Um, and I just sort of started learning it and then I learned a bit more and then I watched a bit of stuff and then I discovered italki and I, I booked exchange times with, with uh, Swedish people who wanted to improve their English and 
I think I eventually booked some lessons and just sort of before I knew it, it had gotten to the point, not where I was like super fluent or anything, but where I was way better than I ever thought that I would be just on that whim from starting to learn from having like, we were going to go there. So, uh, I, you know, I never actually thought it would get that far. So even just getting that far was like, I was kind of like, oh, wow, this is, this is actually happening for real. Um, and I sort of got, to be honest, I got a bit cocky and I started learning French at the same time because I was like, oh, this is easy, you know, <laughs> like, um, and I was two years into doing them at the same time, although I really sort of, I was really just kind of dabbling in both of them, but trying to be serious and not really. Um, and I thought, no, that's it. I, I, I'm sick of being pretty average at both languages. I want to get good at one language. So I... I stopped learning French and I've been focusing on Swedish solely for just over two years now. Um, so yeah, so that's, that's kind of my experience with languages. Oh, wow. So all up, how, how many years do you think your kind of journey with Swedish started? Like when was that about five years ago? Yeah, it was about five and a half years ago. And when, when did the YouTube channel and that kind of, you know, thing appeared in mm. part of your language life and was that kind of like an external motivator that you decided to do as a bit of accountability or was it something a different it's it's gone through phases where i where i had that use for it like i, I sort of thought well if i'm doing this in a in a way publicly then i can be held accountable and that has actually been quite effective um in that i don't think some some of the more serious sessions I've done on Swedish, as in I, I say sessions, but I mean sort of two weeks, four weeks here and there, where I've gone gone in quite hard on Swedish. Um, I probably wouldn't have done if it wasn't for YouTube. Uh, so it's helped in that way. Um, but initially, so it started three and a half years ago. Um, so that was two years into learning Swedish and one year into learning French, I guess. Um, and I think I just started talking about it because I sort of thought I I don't know everything about language learning, but I f- feel like I know a lot more than a lot of Australians who have never learned a language. And people were often asking me this and that. And I realized that, that like it's very hard to have a conversation about language learning with someone who's never learned one because they have a very different idea of what it is you're actually trying to do. I think like before anyone's learned a language, before someone's learned any language, they kind of think that like you just build this base of knowledge up until you know all the things and then you can say all the things kind of that. And so I sort of wanted to start talking a little bit more about the cognitive process of what actually happens. but also to to be honest i i also started i was reviewing uh non english language tv series as well because i'm quite into tv series and movies um but i sort of thought oh well all the american stuff's taken like it there's tons of channels doing that so i'll i'll be the only one to review this random icelandic series and um but i sort of did that i was passionate about that and languages so i was doing the two sets of videos and event a little bit down the line i split the channels um but yeah that's kind of how it started so if you 
if you watch my first video of my kind of three and a half years ago, it's a, uh, well, it's not anymore because I've removed it and put it on the other channel, but it was for a long time, a review of a Belgian TV series. Um, yeah. So that's actually how it started. Oh, how I feel like you're um, you're in good company here because we are also big fans of foreign language TV and film. Well, I think um, you've got to be <laughs> to, to learn a language. I yeah, think it's good, absolutely. Yeah. Um, I was going to say so. How, in terms of your reviews of those of those you know series and and films, what part has that played um, then consequently in your language learning? And has there been any particular? any particular influence, I suppose, from from those things that you've watched in what you've decided to learn or how you've learned Swedish? Um, no, it's probably been more of a, I would consider, consider it like the payoff has been, um, I remember there's a kind of a couple of Swedish series in my memory that are various landmarks for me. So there's the first one that I was brave enough to watch the whole thing with no English subtitles. Mm. Um, and that was before, yeah, that was bef- before I'd left French uh, by the wayside. So I was still struggling to understand reasonable amounts of that, but I could understand enough of it that it was enjoyable to watch and keep watching. So there's that one. And then uh I think, yeah, two, there, there's another series that was the first one that I, it was, it's very complicated. It's like about um, sort of CIA, except not the CIA because it's in Sweden, um, that, that, that their version of that police. Um, and I remember watching that and being like, mostly I get what's going on, but there was a revelation to me in about the third episode that that a certain character actually worked for such and such. And it was like, it's because I just missed this like super key word in the first episode. And that, that was a bit of a wake up call to me. It's like, oh, you're not actually as good at this as you think, because you've just, you've just misunderstood like this three, these three episodes of the series and you would have kept misunderstanding. Um, And then there was the first one that I watched in Swedish that I felt like that would not have worked with subtitles as in, you could watch it with subtitles, but someone watching with subtitles has a different experience from the one I had. Um, and I just sort of, so I'd, I've reviewed all those series, but I don't think my reviews have played a part as much as just those series have played a part, play a part in my memory and uh, my journey getting better at Swedish. Mm-hmm. I love how that you can look back and refer back to these kind of critical points in your experience of Swedish and how these series in your experience of them have become like milestones and, and, you know, tracking points along your, your experience. I think that's, that's really awesome. And I don't know if a lot of people learning languages can refer back like you can because they don't have that kind of tangible thing to grab onto that can show them in a way how they've progressed. Um, I think that's really awesome. That's um, true. I think lots of people use use television and film as a tool, um, but yeah, don't have that kind of almost reverse. It's like a, it's like a flipped sort of way of understanding the impact that it has on you. 
Do you have any, for, for all those people out there who do use film and TV as a tool, which yeah. by the way, it is a fantastic resource yeah. um, for language learners, do you have some tips based on like the things that you've just said before about how you, you know, you started off watching one series and you were understanding, you know, your, your, your changes in comprehension, I suppose, along the way and using subtitles or not using subtitles, for example. Do you have yeah. any tips that you could maybe share with people about how you think you can do that most effectively? Um, well, the first one is a very practical one. Uh, if people haven't heard of the Chrome extension language reactor, um, I just struggled to remember the name for a second. But, um, yeah, so that's that gives you loads of different subtitle options on Netflix only. I think they're planning to extend it to other platforms. Um, but on Netflix, it... For example, it gives you the option to see uh, two sets of subtitles at once. So that's really useful for, for beginners in the language who can't do just target language subtitles. Um, and it, it also has like really clever kind of things where it's got like a built-in dictionary. I don't, I'm sorry if I'm repeating things you guys have said before, I don't know. But um, it's got it's got a sort of built-in frequency dictionary. So... So it will highlight words that it thinks might be within your range or completely out of your range. And uh, and even that, just for me in Swedish, I haven't used it lately, but when I was using it, I found it really useful because you could play like a sort of meta game that has nothing to do with watching the series. But it was like, how often does it highlight a word correctly? As in, does it highlight a word that is outside my uh, my my database kind of thing? Uh, and then it just makes everything really quick. So that's that's a good starting point. Um, and the other thing is to remember that a, a lot of people see speaking and conversing with native speakers as like the sort of end game, uh, which, and it, if that is your end game, then that's totally fine. But in a way, that's a lot easier than watching TV series because that, that one I mentioned um, with the, the Swedish version of the CIA, SAP, or um, that it's like that's way more complicated than any conversation I've had with a Swede. So don't get down if you can't follow along with absolutely everything. There's still stuff. Uh, I watch Swedish stuff all the time. I don't even really think about it now. But there's still occasionally things that I'm like, I have no idea what that is. And I go and look it up and it's almost always referring to something that's within the country, as in like, it's a, it's not just a word I don't know. It's like a whole concept that I'm not familiar with, like a restaurant that only exists in Sweden or uh, some kind of cultural tradition or something. But it happens all the time. And, and I would say I'm, you know, I can in short conversations be mistaken for being Swedish. Um, so if you're if you still feel like you're very much learning the language and you can't understand Peppa Pig, that's actually very normal. Don't don't get down on yourself about that. Good advice. <laughs> and I should point out as well that Language Reactor, so um, I have used it too and it is awesome, um, but it is actually kind of the development of a tool that we actually had an episode on on this podcast 
much, much earlier in the piece called Language Learning with Netflix. Yes. Um, so if you want to listen to some of our thoughts on um, that tool, um, which, yeah, it's now, I guess, grown a little bit into mm-hmm. Language Reactor, um, but you can go back and listen to that. We will pop the link to that in the show notes. Yeah, and also not uh, not all of the features I mentioned there are free. It's um, There is a free version, but it's not entirely free, so mm. should point that out too. True. So, does your 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 love of um, foreign language TV series and films extend beyond French and Swedish, or do you focus exclusively on those two languages when you watch? Um, <laughs> no, I, I wish it did. I wish I could focus it entirely on Swedish. I'm Sweden lately has been producing some really mm. decent things, um, but in general. I wish there was more really quality content to watch, uh, really high quality content to watch in Swedish because it actually, it's not even foreign series. I will happily watch things in English. It's just that I kind of went through a phase where I felt like everything in English had, I'd kind of seen it before. Even if I hadn't seen it before, I was like, oh, I've seen this sort of thing before. Um, and it, it actually sort of started with an Icelandic series um, that's why I started doing reviews. I really just wanted to review that series. Um, and so, so it was, yeah, I'm, I'm not sort of biased about, I, I almost sometimes want to learn a language because of the content available in it. French, French is one of those. I would like to go back to French, but I'm also not sure if that's what I want to sort of do with my life in the next five years or so. Yep. <laughs> Fair enough. Talk, talking about <laughs> French, I um I know that a couple of years ago you made the decision to, I guess, move on from le- learning French and yep. to focus exclusively on on Swedish. Yeah. Could you talk us through, I guess, what was going through your head and and what what kind of got you to that decision and how you're thinking about French now? Um, I don't remember much about it except that um, I had st- I'd been watching a reasonable amount of Matt versus Japan's videos, and then I spoke to him on my channel, and I think just everything. I, I'm not. I think eventually I saw uh, his chat with Steve Kaufman, and towards the end uh, they mo- they switch into Japanese, and. Japanese is one of Steve's stronger languages. Like he lived there for nine years. Um, But, and I know it's not a competition, but if it were, then Matt kind of wiped the floor with Steve. Like his, his Japanese was just so clearly superior, even to someone who didn't speak Japanese. Like uh, I could just hear like little things that I'm like, yeah, that's how Japanese people sound. They don't sound like Steve. Steve sounds like a Canadian who's learned Japanese, um, which is like some people are totally fine with that and and I don't begrudge them that. I just always wanted to be that person who was like that that little bit better and and I I always felt uncomfortable in both languages. I always felt like I was kind of struggling to make things fit together and trying to kind of I was running the numbers on every sentence I came up with and I just I'd moved over onto this kind of idea of immersion and just listening to Swedish as much as possible like several hours a day and 
And I was like, well, that's, that doesn't really work. It sort of defeats the purpose if I'm doing that in two languages. Like if, let's say I have a really good day and I manage to go for a run and do this other stuff and listen to three hours of Swedish. And then what's the point if the next day I just sort of almost undo that with French? I still would be learning both languages, but I didn't kind of see the... I just wanted to do... I just wanted to be better at one thing rather than okay at two things. Um, so that's that was kind of my thinking then. And your second question was something about now. Yeah, oh, how do I... How do my relation... Hmm, I'm not sure if I actually want to continue French and I say that being aware that uh, French is Beck's kind of main thing. <laughs> I'm not sure about you. It's okay, don't worry, I won't take it personally on behalf of the whole language. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm not sure if I want to continue it because I now see learning a language to a level that I'm happy with as a kind of three to five year commitment. Um, and I'm just not sure that I want French to be that, that one. Um, so I'm sort of thinking about other languages at the moment. And the other reason is the at the time I took up French because my dad was living in France, uh, which he no longer does. So, yeah. 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 A couple of really good points there. I think, um, I really, I really like actually that you say that you see learning a language as like a three to five year commitment, just like, well, three to five years, whatever, like I don't care about the quantity, but I, I like that you acknowledge that it's a long-term relationship. Yeah. Like <laughs> yeah. we, we've talked about this before on the podcast and how like I think for a lot of people, actually, especially as Australians, I think when, you know, you are talking to people who maybe have not tried to learn another language before or their experience is limited to like having done a little bit at school um there really is still a feeling that like maybe you could learn a language really quickly if you just tried yeah um and actually it's really important for people to know that like <laughs> even if you tried really 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 hard um it would you're still talking about several years of commitment for you to get any kind of level of you know, I guess if we want to use the word fluency or, um, you know, naturalness um, yep. in, in another language. Yeah. And yeah. and the other thing is it's I've heard someone answering the question of how long does it take to build a habit? And he said, if well, if the question is how long does it take before you will do the thing rather than not doing the thing, like say we're talking about uh, getting up at 6 a.m. or something, then it takes the rest of your life because then like you can't, if you ever stop, then by definition you've lost the habit. So, and when I say three to five years, I'm, I meant what you meant back, which is like to get, to get some kind of level that, that you feel adds value to your life. At least for me, I, I would, I would say it's going to be at least another two years. And that's if I went really hard in on French. And that's only because I've studied, studied it before where I feel it would add value to my life. But that doesn't mean I would just then stop. It's like, okay, I've learned French now. I'm done with that. Obviously, I would have to keep it up. It's the same with Swedish. Like, I can't ignore Swedish now and expect it to stay at some kind of level. So in that way, it's a lifelong commitment. And how at the level, the kinds of levels I'm happy with, I, I really think two or 
may, maybe three foreign languages is, is where I would have to kind of put the limit. So the, the question is, on everyone's minds, is <laughs> do you have, a, you know, a next language that you'd, you'd like to like to tackle and, and put on that, you know, number three list? <laughs> not, um, not one that I have kind of three that I'm tossing up between and they all have their pros and cons for right now in my life. Um, but I, I sort of don't want to reveal them because... I've actually even in a video I've said like I'm not revealing it because I feel like as soon as you say one thing, people are like, oh, yeah, you said you were learning that, didn't you? Like, no, <laughs> yeah, you've I committed didn't them. Say that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I have three that I'm tossing up between. I'm, well, unfortunately, I'm not going to say anything. Yep. Okay. That's exciting. We'll, we'll all wait with bated breath until the day when you finally <laughs> <laughs> tell us all what the third language is. Yeah. Um, I was going to ask actually about a particular video that you have, um, that I've seen on your YouTube channel. Um, Mm. And that was from last year. It was about taking a Swedish lesson every day for two months. Now, could, could you tell us a bit more about that experience and why you did it and what you learned from it? Um, I learned not to do it. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Don't do it again. Um, It's, it was good in that it, it got me to try and commit some time to Swedish every day other than just the lesson because I sort of, I, it was a reasonable financial investment. So I was like, okay, I need to do something every day if I'm actually going to get value out of this. Uh, but it got to the point after about less than two weeks, I would say, where I couldn't manage to do something in between every lesson. And so I felt like I was just having the lesson every night, just being like, oh, yeah, this is the same as I talked about with the other teacher last night kind of thing. Um, And I ended up, I think in the second month, I ended up averaging a lesson every two days. Um, So I didn't actually, I think the video you saw was actually sort of halfway through the experiment and I didn't actually end up finishing. I did 45 lessons in 60 days. it was good in that it, like I said, I committed something to Swedish. Um, I just need to, if I do it that sort of thing again, I need to think about how many lessons I need to take in order to get myself to do the work and actually give myself a chance of doing that. And actually, what should I be doing in between each lesson to try and improve in that time as well? Yeah, a really good... A really good like challenge to set, but I can see I can see exactly what you mean. Um, I think even my own personal experience, Penny, like let me know if this has been the same for you. But like I quite like taking online one-on-one lessons as well as a way of creating commitment. So um, like having having something that I know is there that I can't once I've locked it in and I've paid for it, I can't shy away from it. It's it's there and I have to do it. Um, but I also like knowing that they're my times to practice speaking and that I have, I need the time in between, maybe this is where I probably identify with this experience, I need the time in between the speaking practice to do the other stuff, to like practice the listening and practice the writing and, and reading comprehension and, and things like that to make sure that like I've got something to go back with when I come to my next my next lesson either I've got something to talk about or I've got a question to ask like if I've if I need some feedback um from a teacher then 
you do have to have that time between. Although I admire the <laughs> the effort um, and investment that goes into trying to organize uh, a lesson every day of two months. It's huge. <laughs> and and I, and I know there are certain people out there that these time kind of intensive periods and, and challenges, a lot of people really, you know, love a challenge um, or a streak or anything like that that just gets them focused and, you know, they can't miss a day. Um, unfortunately, I'm not one of those people, so I, <laughs> I can't relate. But um, I know, Beck, we've talked about it actually recently about, you know, how we reflect and how we incentivize ourselves. And Lamont, we decided that Beck and I are quite different in terms of, you know, our different approaches to those things. That was really interesting. Um, if, I guess if you're a language learner who really loves that, that desire to, you know, do a streak on an app or fulfill a challenge, then there are so many different things you could you can explore doing those things. How have you found, I guess, um, using technology, using apps, using challenges to motivate your own language learning or or does it have the opposite effect for you? <laughs> uh, no, I'm very – I like those kinds of challenges. One caveat, though, is that I'm very intrinsically motivated. So even I, – I had a more than 1,000-day Duolingo streak once upon a time. Um, but it wasn't all in Swedish. It was it was a combination of Swedish and French. And even sometimes there were other languages thrown in there just to kind of uh, mix it up. But um, <clears throat> excuse me. I um, if so, I I will only do it if it's actually interesting to me. So like the the idea of uh, of getting the thousand day streak is it doesn't excite me because because I want to see the thing on the screen. It's because it's like I want that thousand day streak. Like I I want it kind of thing. And so I will um often get more into challenges than seems kind of than any like if there's a competition between five people to do the most whatever I'll get like really into that not because I'm competitive but I just like the idea of like I I like I like the mental trick of like challenging myself or something extrinsic that doesn't actually mean anything in reality challenging me um and so I find it more and more difficult as it goes on. And so the the uh, attempt to take 60 lessons in 60 days was kind of part of that in that I was finding it difficult at that time to keep to stay motivated in Swedish, which I sort of felt like, or sorry, which I sort of felt like I'd more or less, you know, I had it down. Um, even though I knew I was a, I'm a long way from perfect in Swedish, but I, I have this inner voice that's kind of saying like, oh, it's time to move on. You can do something else. But I didn't feel like I wanted to do that. So I was kind of conflicted and I decided to set that 60-day challenge. Um, the more extreme the thing is, the more likely I am to go all in on it. Um, so I really like the idea of like those language schools that, you know, um, like the military, for example, that like learn high-level Chinese in in a year, um, because it's the extremity itself that would 
that would motivate me like, oh, imagine how intense that would be, 11 hours a day kind of stuff. Um, <laughs> I would gladly do, I would totally do that uh, in Swedish. Like I, I did 57 hours in one week uh, in 2020, but I just sort of don't really have time anymore. Um, yeah. yeah, I'm always looking for opportunities like sort of going, oh, I wonder if I could do like three days here or, yep. This is so interesting for me because I'm like at that extreme level of like challenge actually just terrifies me. Like I'm like, I'm like, mm. ah, too much. Like I just like slow burn. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's a, but that's a really useful skill. I think to, to, to be able to go, to be able to stay interested in something at a normal kind of level for like a much longer time, I, I think is more useful in life generally it's just not well for me like i'm like i'm de- i'm decent at a lot of things because i've gone in on them really hard for like 3 years like i became quite a good photographer in about a year i worked semi professionally as a photographer for the next 4 years and now i just like can't almost can't stand photography like i'm just like ah get it away from me um and it's a kind of annoying because when it comes to actually, you know, finding jobs and whatever, it, it it's annoying to burn out on something really hard. So I like your, I I would gladly switch places with you, a, even for a year, <laughs> just just so we could both see what it was like. Yeah, actually, that's a, that would be cool. Imagine if you could switch places with somebody and like feel their headspace. Yeah, <laughs> I'd love that. You'd want to pick it's carefully. Like a while. <laughs> yeah, you would. You would want to pick carefully. <laughs> yeah. Just like limited time, be like only like two days. <laughs> um, I, I wanted to talk to you briefly too about the, I guess that shiny object syndrome about, you know, always thinking about what's next or maybe wanting to move on from what you're focused on. And this, this applies to people outside of language learning as well, of course, Um I know that you've talked about it in your videos and you've mentioned it in the episode with us now as well, but how do you kind of deal with that in in your own head wanting to, I guess, leave what you're doing and jump to the next thing, learn the next thing? Um, well, I, I'm that's sort of where I am right now, so it's a very relevant question. Um there's there are t- kind of two there's the, the question before that is like do you even need to do that because let's say you're you're working and you're happy doing what you're doing um then and and we're talking about hobbies then i guess it's totally fine to jump to the next thing with the uh dis- the disadvantage is that you might end up with a house full of random stuff like like mine is because i've got all these like leftovers from hobbies uh but I'm actually considering right now diving full in on another hobby because it would be beneficial for like where my family and I are at at the moment. Um, so there's one one solution is to not necessarily see it as a problem depending on what it is. Um, you know, if it's something, if you're like, oh, I'm going to, become addicted to gambling or something don't do that but like (laughs) (laughs) but but i i feel like i used to have a very unhealthy non-control of my hobbies where they would just control me and i would spend all my money and time on them and 
But these days I can at least kind of go, okay, I'm becoming really interested in this thing, but how can I use it for the advancement of my family and I? Um, But there's also the question of like, okay, it's time to do something with uh, Days of French and Swedish and stuff like that. Um, So my another thing I'm considering is uh, a certain avenue with Swedish that would help me to stay focused on Swedish for longer by because of what it is. It's essentially I'm thinking of starting a Swedish speaking channel for people learning Swedish, uh, which would in turn help my Swedish. And I have all sorts of fears about that, but that's something I'm weighing up uh, whether I want to do that. So th- and that, yeah, that's another thing. It's sort of like the challenge idea of like setting yourself a challenge, except it's not as extreme. It's more like, yeah, it's trying to direct my passion, I guess. I hope yeah. that answered your question. Yeah, well, it's extreme because you're, in a way, because you're putting yourself out there, aren't you? Mm. And that's, that's you know, as big as you can kind of get sometimes. Um, oh, well, all, all the best with that. I hope that, okay. that comes off. Keep us posted. <laughs> it sounds cool. <laughs> and it so- I guess it sounds like as well you're giving yourself some guardrails. Like you're kind of saying like, look, I'm happy for my hobby slash work slash whatever, you know, platform it is that you've got to do something with. Um, happy for that to be a thing, but need some at least general direction to make yeah. sure that it doesn't go like out really wide away yes. from something that is useful to you, I guess. Exactly. Yeah. 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 Amazing. Um, speaking of your, of your channel as well, what do you think? Cause you have, usually have lots and lots and lots of videos and obviously heaps of people are really, really interested in them and find what you do both interesting and I'm sure helpful and, you know, useful to see your point of view. Um, what would you say has been your your favourite video that you've made and put out on YouTube um, since you started your channel? Well, that's easy. Um, <laughs> uh, I don't know if you guys have seen it, but I I actually made a short film on on my YouTube channel. I think at the moment it's just called Immersion. I, I change the name every now and then to see if that will get any more views. But um, I think at, at the moment it's just called Immersion in all capitals. Um, but that's easily my favorite v- video of mine. Um, and that was like a kind of a passion project. Um, and then there, actually there's another one where that's, that's almost kind of an exception because that's really only on my YouTube channel. Cause that's the only place I had to put it. But in another life somewhere I could have added, I could have submitted it to a short parody film festival or something. I don't know. Um, as far as my regular videos go, I, there's one called um, "How to Learn How to Read Fantasy in a Foreign Language," I think, um, and it's kind of loosely again. My favorite videos are probably not going to be other people's favorite videos because, like, there's all these kind of sub references that are for the like really hardcore fans um, in my videos that not everyone's going to get. Uh, but yeah, that that video has a few of those, and I just like even now. I actually, <laughs> I'm almost embarrassed to admit this, but every now and then, if I'm feeling a bit like I don't want to do something and I need to do a video or whatever, I'll actually watch that video just to kind of remind myself this is what I can do 
when I have a few days of focused attention on something. Yeah, so those are my favorite videos. Awesome. Well, that's why that's why I was asking because the thing is, like, if you go to a YouTube channel, any YouTube channel, right, you can find out which videos are the most popular ones easily. Yeah. Like, they're going to come up first. You can see how many views they've had. So, like, in that sense, it's easy to find what's popular. Yeah. But I'm sure there are plenty of creators out there who've put together some some of their favorite content that they've that they've worked on and spent time and effort getting on the internet <laughs> yeah. um, is not necessarily the things that happen to be the most popular on their, on their channels or not. whatever. You... So um, everybody should go and check out, I guess, those two. <laughs> yeah. um, we'll make sure that there are links in the show notes to both of those videos. Oh, thank you. Um, before we, we say thank you and, and goodbye, is there any, I guess, advice that you would give to other people who are either kind of in your situation being an advanced learner of – um, a language or kind of dealing with two competing languages or just a general language learner in itself that you would like to um, let our listeners know some of your <laughs> your good nuggets hot tips yeah <laughs> um, I, I won't I won't try to address the people learning two languages because I as you know I don't really know how to do that I, I felt like I couldn't manage that um, advanced learners I if they haven't discovered this already, I would say you really just need to make it a part of your regular diet. Like um, I've now moved to a situation where like I used to only read or listen to things in Swedish um, and I'm now comfortable with not doing that because I'm sort of comfortable enough with my Swedish. I know I'm not going to just stop reading stuff in Swedish. So if I need to read a book in English, then I will. Or if I want to read one in English, then I will. And I can always go, I can always read another book in Swedish. Um, but I definitely don't see it as something that's going to end anytime soon. Like I, there are hundreds of books and TV series and just documentaries and things that I want to see and read and watch in Swedish. And I will get to them. And like, I'm not, I don't see it as a race, but I also don't see it as like that I'll ever be finished with something. Like Swedish is just a part of my life now and I want that to be more and more regular to the point that it's like I don't even really consider that there's content in English. and con Well, I'm already there, but like, yeah, I want to hold it like that where I'm not like, oh, man, this is in Swedish. I suppose that's okay. You know, I, I don't know if I'm making sense, but... Yeah, like you want to be equally to, comfortable. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, like most Swedish people are with English, really. Yeah. Um, and I've kind of gotten there, but I would like that to continue that forever, really. Amazing. Yeah, and I would say I would give that advice to anyone at, at an advanced level who, yeah, to make it your, your other language rather than your second language. And what a good goal to have as well for people who are not at that level yet, but who can aspire to one day be. That sure. Yeah. They can imagine that for themselves. 100%. Especially as I feel like that encompasses what you've just said, like the ideas of consistency that I think get sort of thrown around and talked about when it comes to language learning. Um, I think a lot of people grapple 
with what that what that means if you say to somebody that you have to be consistent it's like oh how am I going to carve out time every day for the rest of my life to to put towards like where is that half hour going to go or whatever and actually what you're saying it's almost like it's a consistency that you almost don't even realize is there because it becomes so intrinsic in your in your life day to day um that that you almost like I, I get the impression that you want you want it to be a point where you almost don't even realize anymore that it is learning at all that it's yeah. just <laughs> it's just, just yeah. there it's just part of your life yeah absolutely yeah mm. yeah a great goal to have oh the one you've been so awesome to chat to thank you so much for coming on an episode of language chats no worries thank you for having me thank you so Uh much and now where can so we've obviously mentioned your youtube channel many times already it's called days of french and swedish um where else can people find you on the internet if they want to get in touch or see what you're doing um on instagram i'm days underscore french underscore swedish but i'm i hope i don't think i'm big enough on instagram yet that it'll come up if you just type in days french swedish and might i don't know but I'm sure you can certainly, if you find me on YouTube, then that links to my Instagram there. Okay, cool. Well, yeah. we'll make sure that there's also a link to that in the show notes. <laughs> oh, thank you. Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. Thanks so much. Thanks, Lamar. We really appreciate it. Thank and you. Thanks, thanks, everyone, for tuning in for another episode of Language Chats. And um, don't forget that you can catch us on Instagram, on Facebook, languagelovers.au. Yep, and you can also find us the old-fashioned way. We have a website. It's languagelovers.com.au. You can find out more information about us there if you like, as well as all of our past episodes of Languages. And jump across to our Facebook community, languagelovers.au community, and you can hang out with all the other language lovers in Australia and beyond. And we'll catch you in another fortnight. See you next time. Thanks a lot. See you. Thank you.